0: Amen. Thank you for that, Ben. So there's a difference, I think, between existence and living. I'll bet most of us can think of times when we felt like we were just more alive than other times. Times when we experienced life in deep, in rich, in, in meaningful ways. And then I bet there's, there's also seasons we can think of when, when it felt like we were just drifting aimlessly. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, maybe it felt like we were uh, catapulting chaotically through, through life, struggling just to, to, to hold on. So while we were living... Was it really life? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus doesn't want us simply to to arrive at death safely any more than Jesus wants us to um, to buy a bunch of things, live in a nice house, have a successful career, and, and think that we have lived I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, Jesus says. And also says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And also says, I am the resurrection and I am life. And then Jesus puts an exclamation point on on that. Jesus opens up to us that, that way of life by actually rising from the dead. Rising from the dead. With Jesus' resurrection came new life. A new way to be in the world. Jesus' resurrection gave birth to new life. Not just the breathing, eating, sleeping existence kind of life. But a life that is full of wonder and love and beauty and communion with God. and, 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 And mission with God. Service and hope and creativity and possibility. The life that is really... Life, as Paul says in 1 Timothy, the life that is really life. But can we, can we experience that life now? Like right now? Is it possible to, to practice, to experience, to lean into this uh, this kind of resurrected, full, abundant life that, that Jesus makes possible? Especially now, even in the midst of a time that, our life is strange, tragic, maybe it seems like it's just on hold in so many ways. I, I sure hope it is. I sure hope so. Because if Jesus' resurrection means anything at all, it means that, that God's life and love ultimately will not be thwarted. I hope so because when we come out of this, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want to go back to, to normal. I don't know if we should go back to normal, the way things were. Maybe we need to be creating, even now, a new normal, a life that looks a lot more like the resurrected life that Jesus birthed, has in mind for us through his life and death and resurrection. That's why over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in the midst of a new sermon series, The Life That Is Life, and we're going to be exploring how we might experience and practice that full, abundant resurrected life that Jesus made possible through his life, death, and resurrection. And today, friends, we begin in a most unexpected place. Scars. Scars. Scars point us to the life that is life. Let's pray. God, open... Our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that, that it would take root there. Grow us, transform us, that, that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, "'Peace be with you.' Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe.' Thomas responded to Jesus, "'My Lord and my God.' Jesus replied, "'Do you believe because you see me?' "'Happy are those who don't see and yet believe.'" Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll, but these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. Uh, May God continue to bless uh, the reading and hearing of, of this God's word. I'm sure we've all got scars right? Places where, where we were once wounded and are, that are now healing or have healed. I've got a scar on the back of my leg from where uh, I, I fell through the metal part of a, a, two, a two-person platform swing and it, and it cut the back of my calf. I've got a, a scar on the inside of my arm from a string burn from when I was throwing a, string, uh, a, a bolt with a string tied to it over a, a tree limb to try to make a rope swing and it, and it cut my arm. Basically, I probably just need to to stay away from swings, it sounds like. Um, I, have a, I have a scar on the end of this finger where I, 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 knit, uh, I uh, cut the tip off, um, barely nicked it with a, with a hatchet uh, when I was chopping firewood for our first fire in our first townhome in Durham. There's life in scars. It sounds strange to say, but if you think about it, they point to life. I mean, consider how much work our, our bodies, uh, our cells, have done to heal a wound so that it is a scar. When we cut or scrape ourselves, it's like this army of cells that arrive to bring life and healing to a damaged area, right? Platelet cells start to, to clump together uh, to prevent further bleeding, to, to, do, that, to do that clot, uh, to prevent further blood loss. And that, and that clot also contains this protein called fibrin, which kind of uh, creates this netting to hold the clot in place. And then white blood cells arrive on, on the scene as kind of the body's police force, right? The role of wound protector to fight off infections. Uh, these white blood cells also produce chemical messengers called growth factors, which help to repair the wound. And then red blood cells arrive on the scene and begin... Uh, the healing process to help build new tissue and and chemical signals instruct uh, cells to create collagen which serves as a kind of scaffolding on which new tissue can be built. And over time this new tissue uh, grows, becomes stronger and and stronger so that what was once a wound now is a scar. Scars mean healing has taken place. There's life in scars. Scars. We've all got other kinds of scars, too, of of course, Uh, mental, emotional, spiritual ones, countless inner wounds, griefs, losses, wrongs, memories, doubts, perhaps where we were once wounded that are healing or have healed. Maybe they're still a bit raw. I have scars like that, too, scars from failure, scars from past hurts. I've got scars like that from two children that we lost to -to back-to-back miscarriages, I'm sure, I'm sure you got some too. Our nation is scarred. Our society has scars. Our church has scars. But there's life in those scars too because Jesus is there too. What if, what if life is to be found in the scars because of the presence of the risen and scarred Jesus? What if just, just life, cells teeming with life rush to the site of a wound Jesus and the life he brings comes to the wounds that we bear to heal them so that they become scars reminding us not ultimately of death but of new life Thomas finds life in Jesus' scars Thomas put your finger here look at my hands put your hand in my side Jesus told Thomas Jesus has the scars from his crucifixion. And he's happy to show them to Thomas. Thomas, for whatever reason, wasn't with the other disciples when Jesus uh, appeared to him with his new resurrection body, appeared in their midst, in the, behind those locked doors, in the midst of their fear and grief and said, peace be with you. And Thomas wasn't there. So perhaps it, it wasn't so much that, that Thomas... Um, Perhaps it wasn't so much that that Thomas was having a hard time believing that Jesus had been raised, but that Jesus had been raised. In other words, his Jesus, their Jesus, not just some imposter, not a projection of their own grief, not an apparition, the Jesus they had all seen nailed to a Roman cross. Perhaps Thomas had some wounds, had some hurt of his own following Jesus' tragic death. So when the other disciples tell Thomas that they've seen the Lord, Thomas says, I want to see the scars. In other words, I want to know that the crucified Jesus, the Jesus that died, the Jesus that was put into a tomb, is also this risen Jesus that you're talking about. We've already been wounded enough. A week later, Jesus appears again in their midst and offers to Thomas his scars. Jesus obliges Thomas' doubts and his wounds. Put your finger here, he says, holding out his wounds for Thomas to see and to touch. We don't know if he did or not. I like to think that he did. What we do know is that Thomas responds to this gesture from Jesus with the highest confession of faith in all all of the Gospels. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. This, just, this isn't just the risen Christ. This is God Almighty. And Thomas he cries it out with, with life and with joy. One of my worship professors at Divinity School always used to encourage us that when we're trying to select music uh, for, for worship services uh, to sing whether an anthem or congregational singing, to imagine the song that would be on the lips of a biblical character. And there's a song that I thought of this, this week that sounds like it could come from the lips of Thomas as he comes alive because of Jesus' scars. And the chorus in part of the bridge goes like this. Because your scars shine like dark stars, yet your wounds are where the light shines through. The wound is where the light shines through. The wound is where the light finds you. The wound is where the light shines through. Isn't that exactly what happens for Thomas with with Jesus' scars? Jesus' scars are where the light shines through for Thomas. It's where, where light and life find him. It's as though the scars open up to him fullness of life. I mean, think about that moment. I I wonder if Thomas had ever felt such a rush of life, such a flood of love, such a pulse of freedom and joy coursing through his heart and soul as he did when he saw, perhaps reached out to touch, Jesus' scars. My Lord and my God be like black and white turning to, to color all around, like the song we just sang says. A narrow view opening up to a vast and beautiful landscape. A downcast heart and soul being awakened to life again. Like a heart that stopped beating, jump-started back to life by the defibrillator. Light gleaming from Jesus' wounds shining into Thomas' wounds. Because Thomas knows that since this is true, Since this is true, life, his life, life in general, is never going to be the same again. But why would Jesus have scars anyway? I mean, wouldn't the, the risen and victorious Christ, the God who had just defeated sin and death, show himself in a body sleek and whole, scarless, marking like complete and total victory over sin and death and evil, no longer bearing marks of suffering. Scars seem like a like a defect. But they're there. And Jesus shows them to Thomas, and that must mean that. They are not a defect, but an ornament of resurrection, a birthmark of new life. After all, would, would Thomas, would, would any of us connect more easily with a God, a Savior untouched by the worst life can bring? Or would, we find, or would we find communion with a Savior, a God, deeply wounded by the worst that life can bring, and yet tangibly showing through his scars his power to overcome, to transform those wounds? even ours. I'm reminded of a a story author Brendan Manning tells in his classic book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And it's a story actually that he relays that's told by a surgeon who visited a couple after surgery in which he had to, this surgeon had to remove a tumor from the wife's cheek. As the surgeon tells it, I stand by the bed where a young woman lies, her face post-operative, her mouth twisted in palsy, somewhat clownish, the tiny twig of a, of a facial nerve, the ones in the muscles of her mouth, had been severed, and she'll be this way from now on. I had followed with, with religious fervor the curve of her flesh, nevertheless to remove the tumor, I had to cut the little nerve. Her young husband is in the room, he stands on the opposite side of the bed, and together they seem to dwell in the evening lamplight, isolated from me. The moment is a private one. Who are they, I ask myself? He and this wry mouth that I have made, who gazes at each other so generously, so lovingly. The young woman speaks, will my mouth always be like this? She asks, yes, I say it will. It is because the nerve was cut. She nods and is silent. But the young man smiles. I like it, he says. It's kind of cute. At once, the surgeon says, I know who he is. I understand and I lower my gaze. One is not bold in an encounter with a God moment. Unmindful, he bends to kiss her crooked mouth and I, and I am so close I can see how he twists his own lips to accommodate to hers, to show her that their kiss still works. Maybe Jesus showing Thomas, showing us his scars, is like that husband twisting his own lips to accommodate to his wife's. Wounds kissing wounds, scars touching scars, life begetting life. Maybe Jesus's healed wounds, his resurrection scars, show just how powerfully God's life will not be thwarted. Maybe they show just how seriously Jesus bore our own wounds and transgressions while also showing just how seriously God was about love winning. Maybe when the crucified Jesus appears to to Thomas and draws his attention to his scarred hands and his wounded side, he's proving to Thomas and all of us that piercing wounds do not ultimately actually have the final word. The last word is God, and God's last words are always life and love. They always triumph ultimately over any crucifying realities. And God has the scars to prove it. Suffering, pain, uh, love, faithfulness, all glorified. Crown him the Lord of life. Behold his hands and side. His wounds yet visible above. In beauty glorified. As the old hymn says. There's life in the scars. And we can find their life there too, friends. The life that is life. Jesus' scars show that in in the resurrection and new life that was launched, God is able to take the worst of human experience into God's own arms in such a way that they are transformed and we are healed and made whole. Our scars connect us to the life of the one who was wounded and glorified whose wounds didn't disappear weren't forgone with resurrection but were glorified transformed scars show us that the pain was real but so was too was the life that came from the healing scars are are like an embodied testament to the stubborn and perseverant power of life in the scarred places we find life because that's where jesus has come That's where the light shines through. Jesus' scars give life to our wounds. The good news is that there will be scars. The bad news is that there will be scars. You can't go through life without scars, but the fact that you have them means that you've gotten through. We will be wounded, friends. And we will heal. Sometimes painfully slow. Even in the life that is life with Jesus. If the risen Christ had scars even with the new life that he brought, even in his resurrected body, then we can't expect scars to be erased from our life either. And maybe that's for the best. Maybe that's for the best. Because really... They bear witness to life. They show that God's life always has the last word. They're a birthmark of sorts, of new creation. They're perhaps where we found life ourselves in the risen and scarred one, and where we shine light for others to find life in the risen and scarred one. Your scars, my scars, might. Give life to someone else's wounds. Because people are looking. For a connection to the life. That is really life. To Jesus. Desperately looking. Right now of course. But they'll be looking also when. When things get back to life as we know it. Maybe. Maybe what people are waiting and needing to see are the same thing that Thomas was, was wanting and needing to see. The marks, the scars. And they're not looking for the marks in, in Jesus' hands inside. they're looking for the marks of the church. In us, the scars in our hands and sides, the evidence that we are connected to the Jesus who was crucified, raised, And promise the most abundant life we can imagine. Scarred and wounded Christ is the Lord of a a scarred community. There's scar tissue all over the place. But it's beautiful. But it's scarred and resurrected people confessing and singing and praising their scarred and resurrected Savior. That's where you'll find the life that is really life. That's what scars can do. They help tell in the same way that Jesus' scars did for Thomas, that Jesus' death and even more so his resurrection mean everything, mean everything. They tell of transformation, healing, stubborn, and persistent new life. Want to experience the life that is really life? Better check the scars. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.